For the love of Christ compels us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, Mm. so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So this year I've been stuck in a few scriptures. I've been stuck in Colossians chapter 3, and I've been stuck in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It was a wonderful privilege just to open it up. The beginning verses of chapter 5 on uh, uh, Tuesday afternoon when we said goodbye to Margaret van Rensburg's mother who passed away. What was it, Monday? And she was uh, 105 and 11. 105 and 11 months, so that was a, a great innings. That's an amazing innings. But it starts off, and that, that scripture talks about us getting a new tent, and so new bodies which were incorruptible. And that's our hope in Jesus, our hope in Jesus. This, this chapter 5 is just the most amazing portrayal of the gospel of the good news. And that's what we declare, and that's what we have, and my challenge in my own life is, am I walking according to the good news that I have received, the great, the greatness? We've been uh, singing some wonderful songs about His glory, about Christ, about Christ and His crucifixion, His death, His burial and His resurrection. We have sung the gospel in song today. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 are probably where I'm going to try and land today. For it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us. Because we are absolutely convinced that He has given His life for all of us. This means all died with Him so that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives, but lives that are poured out for Him. The one who died for us and now lives again. That's who we're living for. We are living for Jesus. And just as a side, and I'm sure I repeated it last week and every every time I've preached, that we're not living for ourselves. We think and we look and we're so often self-centered and uh, self-absorbed with what is happening in our little lot in life. That we forget that He died for us, that we might have life, and our life is for Him, and for Him alone. So as you woke up this morning, as you wake up every morning, what gets you up? Besides the alarm clock, besides that annoying buzz beside your bed. You want to just hit the 
the snooze button. But why do you get up? Why, why, what motivates you to get up and face another day? What fuels your tank? What keeps your motor running? Just think about that. It shouldn't be how your life is going. It shouldn't be how your friends are treating you. It shouldn't be how your boss is treating you. It's not what's happening in my kids' lives. What should get us going is the love of Christ. The scripture starts off and it says, For the love of Christ compels or controls or propels or pushes us out. And I know I've shared this before. But is that where you're at today as you got up? Was it the love of Christ that was propelling you? We need to be propelled by the love of Christ because there is a lost world. There's a world which doesn't know Jesus. There's a world which is looking for an authentic representation of Jesus And you are it. You represent Jesus. The scripture carries on. and You are the ambassadors of Christ. Last time I preached, we looked at that we were created in the image and the likeness of God. It said in in Genesis that we were created in His likeness to bear, uh, to, to be like Him. To reflect His love. We were created for love. That when we ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we just, that thing became distorted. It became so, uh, so distorted and, and, and cranky and, and, and self-centered and, and self-absorbed and all those kind of things. We, we started becoming needy of love. We became needy for love. Remember sharing about my dog. It's needy for love. Needy. But we... We were made for love. We were not made to be so needy. We were made to be loved by Jesus, to reflect His love, to be changed into His image. So what defines you today? What defines you, hopefully, is the cross. Is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That is the life that you are living. It's amazing. It's an amazing thing that that's the thing that should be getting me up every morning. The love of Christ. What defines you will see, will, will mean that you'll see through different eyes. So what's, what has defined you and you look at your life? What has defined you? Maybe it was something that happened to you 20 years ago, 25 years ago. For Jonathan, 65 years ago. I remember Jonathan sharing that primary school, boarding school, primary school was traumatic. As a six-year-old going to, to, to boarding school, 
And the, and the prefects who, I don't know whether they were 12 or 13, uh, were like tyrants. They were worse than Hitler. Far worse than Hitler. And sometimes we are defined from what happened to us years and years ago. And it might be hurt. It might be pain. It might be rejection. If we are operating in life from those perspectives, what happens? We see life very as hard and harsh and difficult and, and, and we look at other people and we, we see them as enemies and, and competition. And we try and very often, I've seen it happen so often, you, you try and put somebody else down because you want to feel good about yourself. That's because we're looking through the long, wrong lens. We're looking through the lens of our hurt, of our pain, and not looking through the love of Jesus. Because it's the love of Jesus that compels you and, and should be compelling me. Why is this so compelling? Let's have a look at what the Scripture says. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this. This is the conclusion. One has died, not of the sermon, sorry, sorry. One has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. There it goes again. He died that we might live. He died that we might live not for ourselves. He died that we might live for others, that we might share the gospel and the good news. You know, I have a friend who's become a, a Trinitarian Universalist. And I think most people would know what a universalist is. Well, all roads lead to God. It doesn't matter whether you go through Buddha or uh, the, the Islams, the, whatever it is. It's all, it doesn't matter. You're just on your own buzz when we're just floating away to heaven. It doesn't matter which way you go. And you can almost, I can almost see from this, from this scripture, it's probably one of the scriptures, the key scriptures that he uses this to be a Trinitarian Universalist. Because a Trinitarian Universalist says that it doesn't matter at the end of the day, our lives are all in Christ. And he died for all, that all might have life. And so it doesn't actually really matter what you do. I think it's kind of fairly bizarre. Because a price had to be paid. Otherwise, what was the point in Jesus going to the cross? A price had to be paid. We sung, we, we will never understand the cost of that price. Maybe in heaven we'll get a, 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 greater, a greater glimpse. And we, not everybody is going to heaven. There are people who are lost and we need to be reaching them. So when you preach, you're in trouble because you've got to be practicing what you preach. It's lovely sitting up here and just talking and saying these things. And so this week when I was uh, dropping the, the gardener at, 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 the, at the taxi rank, a, a, a couple came into my mind, uh, Gert and Matilda. And Gert I used to play tennis with for 10 years. He can't play anymore. He's a bit uh, crickety and, and rockety and, 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 and a bit struggling. And yeah. 
So I popped in and had some prayer with, and had, and had chatted with them. And we talked about Federer because we are great Federer fans. He, he actually knows Federer's parents. And uh, so he, he, we talked about tennis and gardening and, and everything. And then we talked about them and they go to Switzerland and they, he's a Swiss guy. So he has this wonderful, every so often he's away on a beautiful trip to uh, Switzerland and Greek Isles, and I said, what, what's your next trip? Oh, are they going to go again, and they're going to go to, to, uh, to Greece and, and then Italy, and then they'll end up in a, a month in, uh, in Switzerland. It sounds all magnificent, but they don't know Jesus. They don't know Jesus. And then she shared about her eye, which was, her eyes, which are molecular something or other. The doctors will know about that. So she's starting to her eyes are de- degenerating, and now she can't. She's battling to see the tennis ball a little bit. She loves tennis. She's still playing. And so there was an opportunity for me just to say, can I pray with you? Just pray. And I blessed the family. I blessed them. I, I prayed for healing for her eyes. I prayed for, for Jesus to be there, to be a, Jesus to be in their, in their lives. That's all I can do. The rest I leave up to Jesus. We, 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 we need to uh, reach this lost world. Because the price has been paid, and it's a great price. But you have to be born again. It's not just everybody saved. You have to repent. In fact, it's not even okay just to kind of put up your hand somewhere along the line and say, Yes, Jesus, come and be Lord of my life and Savior. And then just carry on doing I've got my ticket to heaven. That's not what the Christian walk is about. That's probably, that's a misuse of the gospel. It's a misrepresentation of the truth. Grace is here for you and I to empower us to change, to empower us to become more like Jesus. The more I am like Jesus, The more you are like Jesus, the greater we are going to have an impact in our nation, in our little, in this part of the world. Uh, It's the temple of your alarm is going off. Just, there wasn't a word of knowledge. I could see that, see it from here. (laughs) So grace is here to transform you. It's, it's, it's not just here to pardon you. It's here to empower you. He's judging something. You know the scripture. He's judging something. One die has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that, all that all might live. He took our judgment in his body on the cross. When he died, you died. That's why it carries on. It says a little bit, a little bit of further on. One of my 150,000 favorite verses. Uh, therefore, we've, uh, a little bit, bit further back, 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 back. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. There's new creations here. I'm a new creation. That's what the scripture says about you and me. Let's get excited by, by that. Let's live for that. And therefore, if, 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 we, if we believe that, then we don't see anybody according to the flesh. The cross doesn't just expose your sin, it removes your sin. We have great value, as we've been hearing from 
uh, a few weeks back when uh, Jeff Love was here, that we are his masterpieces. He is creating us. He is uh, fashioning us and making us new. He's making us wonderful. He's making me kind and gentle. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? That's what he's, that is what he's doing for you. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Because we are lost. The people out there are lost. Because we ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We became self-centered. We became dog-eat-dog. We became uh, every man for himself. An eye for an eye. That's the world in which we live, an eye for an eye. Something happens well, you've got to take revenge. Doesn't it, isn't it playing out in the world politics, in the, in the, in the world, of, world at war? We live in a world at war. Remember we used to watch that program. Uh, for those of you who are old like me, uh, we watched the world at war on a Tuesday night. We had to cancel house churches for those now because nobody would come out. World at War was like kind of, it was more, it was bigger than Dallas. You know, in those days, we, we only had like one program a night kind of thing, and it was like so exciting. So we're living in a world at war, and uh, it's an eye for an eye. If we carry on that, we'll all be blind. There'll be a lot of blind people. But we just, it's just an amazing thing that mercy triumphs over judgment. And God loves you. God loves you. Michael, I want you to know that God loves you. That that he thinks you are amazing. He died for you. You have value because of who you are in him. And so he calls us to love. That's the call today. He calls us to love. Because why? Because he first loved us. I can't love in the natural because I'm selfish and self-centered in the natural. But because he first loved me, he has set me free from all the, all the gunge, all the stuff. Sometimes I look at my life and I, I mean, I've, uh, the Lord has been very gracious and blessed me. And, uh, but how do I respond? How did I respond? And I can say it's only because of the grace of God I am where I am today. So if you have a look at our family, and, and many will you know our, know our story, but, but maybe there are a few who don't know our story. But uh, 1958, I lived in Abbey Road, Kloof. I've lived in Kloof and Hillcrest my whole life. We came from a family who didn't do church. My mom went to, to uh, the Catholic Church uh, once a year. That was, that was about the sum total of any spiritual uh, stuff that was in, in, in my life. And I think we went as well. And that was very boring. And so, and as I look at my family, there came a, a, a time, and I, I live for sport. I love sport. It's, it's, it's one of... Uh, the things that gets me up in the... 
When I play tennis with, with Peter and Lindsay, it's just, it's such great fun. It's, 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 it, I enjoy it and it, it's part of my, my therapy. But I need, I need to be able to hit that little yellow ball. But I have a look at, at, my, at, the, at my life and I have a look at when I was 16. I was uh, at boarding school and I'd come home for the Michaelmas holidays. So it was just the Michaelmas holidays had just passed. And I was uh, chatting with my brother and I'd, I'd given my life to Jesus. Somebody had shared the four spiritual laws with me. I'd given my life to Jesus and, and was uh, reading Faithful Daily Living, chatting with him, talking with him. Now, after, a, little bit, a little bit later on, I went uh, next door and cricket was what I did. And I was bowling to... My brother, who was going to join Pantown Cricket Club. The next day, he went off to work. And he went, he drove by the Kloof Country Club. There's the a road called Victory Road. And off Victory Road, there's a road called Peace Road. And there he gassed himself. And we were, like, very, very close. He was a gentle, kind, and... That impacts a family. And when I look and I see... Grief share. And I, and, I, and I remember back to, the, to those days. So now I'm only like 15 or 16. But I have a faith in Jesus. So somehow the Lord is gracious to me. But I see the rest of the family just not coping. And my brother, the problem with suicide is that you all blame yourself. You all say, if only I could have done this. If only I hadn't said that. If I only, my mom knew something was wrong. She knew. Moms know those things. And then the process from then afterwards Mom didn't ever cope with that. She drank to blot it all out. My brother did the same thing. Got married and divorced a couple of times. Had a child. Drank more. Didn't eat. Ended up in a... Losing his mind. Losing his mind. Short-term memory gone. At 48, I had to put him in a home. When I went to go and visit him, he would recognize me. He'd say hello. We'd walk and talk a little bit. And if I lagged back a bit and caught up with the game, it would be, it would be the start again. And he, and he died. Of, he only lasted about four or five years. So we all have a story. I think every, 
Each person here today has a story, has a story of pain, has a story of we come, if you're born with an umbilical cord, you are born from a dysfunctional family. There's some dysfunction in your family. But Jesus, why did Jesus choose me? I have no idea, but I just give him thanks. And I give him thanks that he has brought me through this journey. And so what defines me, what compels me, is the love of Jesus. And that needs to happen to each of us. The love of the Father is revealed through Christ crucified. It has nothing to do with my mother and brothers being alcoholics. It's nothing, it has nothing to do with the fact that my father was like very British and, and, and you never said, I love you, boy. Until he was born again, when he was 70-something. That was when he, he became soft, he became like putty. But what's going to motivate you in your stuff, in the stuff that you are carrying? The only fact that's going to motivate you and keep you going is the love that is revealed in Jesus. That's why the gospel is such good news. I want to go to just another scripture. Colossians. Chapter 1. This is what the Lord says. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. With all endurance and patience with joy. I know I've shared this a lot lately, but it's really coming home to me. That it's not just patience and endurance. I'm going to get there because I can do it. I'm strong and I'm not going to let this world beat me. But for me to do it with joy, I need to be strengthened with the, only the power that God can bring. And that's what he, he does in my life. I have a, I have a joy which, uh, it's not a personality thing as well. It's, 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 it's the joy of Jesus. It's the joy of Jesus. I mean, even this week, oh, there was us, you know, as you, and you're preaching and you're thinking what you're preaching on. And, and, and I was quite, quite down and I had to get under the scripture and, and, and let the scripture work out in my life that the joy would come back. So I'm not going to let... What man did trump what God did. Don't let what people have done in your life trump what God has done. God has set us free. God has given us, a, He's made us a new creation. Don't even let what a, somebody has said to you trump what God has said. Go to this word. Hide yourself in this word. Feast on this word. Chew on this word. Make it a part of you. You don't have to read huge chunks. This year I've been stuck on two chapters. Because I want to live those chapters. I want to live those chapters. So the Bible says to you today, That he has now re reconciled in his body of, the f of flesh by his death in order to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach before him. 
if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. What a powerful scripture. I'm going to paraphrase that. You and I stand holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. Why? Why? Because of what He's done for us. Because of the finished work of the cross. Don't let anything change your mind. There's a battle. There's a battle going on. Every single day as you wake up, there's a battle. Am I going to believe the Scriptures? And am I going to believe what He says is true? He bore our sin. He bore our sin. So as I, I look at my, myself, myself and I look at my life, well, maybe I can have a pity party. Zelani and I often joke because all our, all our direct family, uh, our siblings and moms and dads have died. And so we joke whether we're orphans. We're two black orphans in Sarepta. And I'm not going to be defined by that. I'm not going to be defined that. I'm going to be def- defined by the love of Jesus. I'm never going to live at the expense of what a man says about me. And that's a battle. That's a battle. Because people say things about you. They sometimes say things to your face about you which are not very nice. But then you've got to see them according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. And you've got to realize that you and I are created for love and to be loving. We ask, we need the, the Holy Spirit to consume us. If you came in here feeling sorry for yourself, sorry for the way things have gone, that can crush you. That can break you. You have to leave here today saying, the reason my feet are on this planet is to love. Is to love with the love of Jesus. Is to lay down my life. To love like He he does. Even if you're in Nebuchadnezzar's fire. Even if you're in Nebuchadnezzar's fire. What do we do when we're in the fire? We worship God. We worship God. And then we will look like Him in the middle of the fire. So this week when you get squeezed, when the pressure comes on you, when you squeeze an orange, what do you get? You get orange juice. When you, sque- when you, squeeze, when you squeeze Neil, what are you going to get? You're going to get Jesus. <laughs> you are. Why? Because Jesus lives in him. When you squeeze me, hopefully you're gonna get, you, we're going to get Jesus. I want to close with this. 
mercy woke you up today to give you one more day to look like your father. Mercy woke you up today to give you one more day to look like your father. That's why mercy woke you up, to be like him. So enjoy being like him. Enjoy the love and receive the love. Receive the finished work of Jesus and let the gospel speak speak through your life every day. Let's pray. I want you to stand. We can, close with a, we can close with a song. And if anybody who needs prayer, come to the front. Lord Jesus, we thank you that the, your love compels us. I declare that, that today, tomorrow, next week, and for all eternity, the love of Christ will compel each of you. That you will understand the depth and the height and the breadth of God's love for you. And you will be motivated by that. You will not be motivated by a past which has been dealt with. And yes, the past may have been painful and hard and difficult. But Jesus has taken your sorrows upon him. And he weeps with you in, the, in, the, in, those, in those situations. But He is calling you today to declare that the love of Christ compels you. So I want you today to, to say out loud, the love of Christ compels me. The love of Christ constrains me. The love of Christ compels me. Thank you, Jesus. If anybody wants prayer, please come to the front. And we will pray for you. If I can ask some, anybody in the prayer team, prayer teams, please to come forward.